2: Welcome everyone to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here, yay, with my co-host, Patricia Kirkman. You're back.
3: Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be back. I feel like it's been ages since I've been here.
2: I know, it does. Well, oh my gosh, we're all so happy that you're here. I had so many email messages, text messages asking how you were. Everybody was saying prayers for you to get out of the hospital and back home safe and sound. Thank you for that.
3: That's greatly appreciated. And evidently it worked. I'm out at home. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, that's great. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And now we've got a brand new month to work on, which is absolutely fabulous. Tell us all about it. Yeah, tell us what's happening this month. Well, it's a month dealing with fresh starts and new beginnings. We have, we're in a year of major change, but this month says let's go for it. You've got opportunity to make super changes right now, and it's going to start making things happen. Look at what you want for the future because this is a time to get everything in motion. The year that we have is all about luck, as I said, but we're also to allow ourselves to take advantage of it. So for this month, trust your instincts and your intuition. Perfect time to take that extra chance. Be original, be inventive, and you're going to be surprised what your intuition is going to lead you to. So go after what you want. It's going to come. Give it a chance. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, it's this is a nice that's positive that's change. Good. There's Please. luck to it. So it's really a good way to go. Giving ourselves opportunity for all the good stuff to happen. Wow. We're ready. we have had enough of this. Boy, the other are stuff. we ready. <laughs> <laughs> it a long time ago. <laughs> That's <But> <laughs> for sure. Don't be afraid to take a flyer on things because the opportunity for this month, lead your own items forward, and it's a year of all kinds of changes. And remember, the five has a luck factor to it. So the five years like there luck. to push. And this month is all about new beginnings. So why not take advantage of it? Ah. Uh.
2: We're ready. It feels like it's just time to stand in front of the sun and say, thank you. We are ready. Looks good. Well, so glad to have you back. And this is all good thank news you, that you're bringing with you. I've missed our
3: people. <laughs>
2: yeah, I know. Everybody missed you, too. So, We've got to especially me, tonight. of course. Better. Keep me company on the air. It's been so much fun having you here and
3: wanted to continue forever. So, well, we'll see can do about that with all these great guests that we have. That's right. And all this new
2: health technology and we're gonna to continue to report on new health technology for all of our listeners. We've had some fascinating shows with Doctor Weber from Germany and also uh the lady who talked about the blood work, the functional blood analysis. Kristen Grace McGarry was with us. And that was, she incredible.
3: is wasn't that great. Yes, it was. Brought out Indeed. things that I didn't even think about.
2: I know. There's so, many, yeah, there's so many other opportunities to take a look at your health to give you better information than what we traditionally mm-hmm. know. And also, people have been emailing me about the laser watch invented by Dr. Weber. And what I was able to do was to get a discount for our listeners. And it is a pricey uh piece of technology. It works, however, I can tell you that, and it is German-made. So this is not a made-in-China thing, and that's why it costs a little more than what we would all like to pay, but it's well worth it. But I can get anybody a discount who wants to purchase it um, or the virus attachments that can be purchased separately. So if anybody's interested, just shoot me an email. I will do my best to get you that discount, and you can have it within a few days. So we're going to be doing more of these kinds of shows so that you can stay on top of any health issues that you may have, and we're going to just keep working away at it to give you the best of the best, as we always do. So instead of doing the boy numbers tonight, I wanted to tell everybody about something else that's very similar And it's called Switch Words. Now, Switch Words, there's a book by James T. Mangan, and he invented this concept. It's very, very similar to the grab-avoid numbers, but it basically does something very much the same. It switches your subconscious negativity so that you can focus more on what you want and create it. Now, the switch words may sound like they don't make any sense, but that's part of how it works. So I'm going to give you a couple of phrases tonight instead of numbers. And you can use these to interrupt your negative thinking and to bring it back around to focus on what you want. So the first one is simple. It's golden sunrise. That's actually a switch word phrase. Golden sunrise. Then another one is wolf magic begin now and that one you can use whenever you want a quick solution to any issue whether it's money your job your family wolf magic begin now and like i said these phrases don't make really a lot of sense in our logical mind but that's the reason you use them is to switch use it as a switch to basically change your thinking focus on what you want open the doorway so that, as you said, P.K., you can get what you want this month. So here are two switchword phrases to use. Golden sunrise and wolf magic begin now. And I'll be giving you more of those in the coming weeks, so always at the beginning of the show, so don't miss it. So tonight we have a great guest. Do yes, we, we not, do. P.K.?
3: We do. We do. Yes, for sure. I'm and excited he's calling to hear- in. Hey. Yeah, he's
2: calling in all the way from a very magical island called Malta, and his name is Warren Aegis I think I pronounced that correctly, and he is a UFO investigator, he's written a terrific book, it is called, Evidence of Extraterrestrials, Over 40 Cases Prove Aliens Have Visited Earth. So... Again, Warren is a longtime UFO researcher. He is known for his unbiased approach to factual evidence. He has personally interviewed UFO contactees as well as best-selling author, a friend of ours, Whitley Strieber, and the late ufologist Stanton Friedman. So Warren's with us tonight, and Warren, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you both for having me. It's it's an honor. It's an honor being here.
2: Oh, thank you. We're honored that you're here with us. And what a book you have written. This is, as we were talking, we were all talking before we came on live on the air, very well done, very meticulously investigated and researched. This is a book, anybody who has a UFO library, you need this book, because it catalogs and reports on cases. I didn't even know about these cases.
3: Some of them you didn't know about either, right, P.K.? Oh heavens, I was so surprised at some of them. <laughs> my jaw drops. You know, I'm going, oh my God. Uh, yeah. That's fabulous. Was,
2: fabulous. Yes. So, so we are thank, going to be discussing you. these. You're welcome. And thank you for writing it because we're going to be discussing all of these cases, as many as we can discuss tonight. But again, you're going to have to get the book to get all the details of these cases. But each and every one of them is compelling. So Warren, let's start with you personally. How did you get involved with UFO research?
4: With UFO research, I started after reading a couple of books. I first read uh, books by Jamars um, and then Timothy Good, both of whom are excellent authors in the field, naturally. Um, but then I also wanted to write something myself. I realized that I, I wanted a book that's basically detailed all of the UFO sightings, which prove that basically aliens exist and they have been visiting Earth. Um, but I couldn't find quite the book that I wanted to find, so I said I'll just write it myself, basically. <laughs> um, but I did so by using factual evidence, for example, uh, declassified documents um, and witness reports. So all the information that you find on the book, it's it's completely factual in nature. Um, and it all comes from documents which have been declassified by the Air Force. So, so that's important to keep in mind.
2: Yes, yes. And you start way back in our history here uh, with a number of cases, but one of them that really, really struck both of us was the Battle of Los Angeles so, can we start there? Tell us about this Battle of Los Angeles? This is amazing
4: yeah, indeed, And the Battle of l a was probably one of the first sightings which made me so interested in the phenomenon because it's genuinely something you would see in a sci fi movie um, That's how interesting it is basically um so so, what happened is this it goes back to nineteen forty two um and it was just three months after the Pearl Harbor attack, so so everyone was a bit anxious. Uh, but, but with that being said, there were constant air raid drills um, and sirens uh, to prepare the public just in case another attack would happen. But on on it was in the late February, I believe it was around February the twenty fifth, when at around three a.m. the air raid sirens went off, and everyone just assumed this was another drill, but. That was not to be the case. Uh, what happened was that when people exit their house, uh, thousands of people just saw this disc-shaped object float, hovering silently in the sky. Uh, there was an enormous disc-shaped object, but surrounding it were smaller ones, uh, smaller smaller aircrafts. Um, and what's interesting to note, and perhaps the most fascinating Aspect of this of this event is that for an entire hour, uh, the air force and the military um, just shot anti-aircraft shells at, at the aircrafts, but to no avail because they uh, they they were completely unaffected by it. And the anti-aircraft shells are designed specifically to shoot down an aircraft, but these it, it seemed as though that these UFOs were protected by some sort of force field Um, and not to uh, stray away too much from the event but nowadays we know that force fields are something within the realms of possibility um, especially if the aircraft possesses anti-gravity technology so uh, it perfectly makes sense Uh, but going back to the event after an hour of the Air Force trying to shoot down these UFOs nothing practically happened until until they basically disappeared out of sight um and what's interesting about this case is that there were thousands of eyewitnesses literally thousands um and at some point what's also interesting is that there were no air force um fighter jets there were no uh, none, there were no air force jets which were scrambled which is certainly odd um, because naturally, if, if an object, if an aircraft rather, infiltrates national airspace, it is the air force's responsibility to protect the nation. But that was not to be the case on that night. Um, it was the the nation was left completely defenseless.
2: That's incredible. And here were thousands of people watching this. Did anybody provide an explanation or an attempted one? We love to hear these ridiculous explanations that the military throws out there thinking that we're all so stupid. What was their explanation on this one?
4: Yeah, so they provided a number of of explanations. The first one being that it was a weather balloon because that's the first explanation that uh, the Air Force provides. But it was immediately debunked because... If if there's a weather balloon and you spend an entire hour just shooting entire aircraft shells at it, it's naturally going to be shot down. But uh, they quickly changed that statement and stated that the UFOs were um, Japanese aircraft sent to induce psychological terror, basically. But once again, that doesn't make sense either because, first of all, the Air Force would have Um, Would have known where the aircraft originated from and apart from that Once again, if you're spending an entire hour just shooting anti-aircraft shells at an aircraft It's practically going to get shot down and Obviously the the shapes do not uh, correlate to one another Um, as far as I know there is no aircraft especially back in 1942 which resembled a disc shape um, let alone a disc-shaped object which Performed erratic maneuvers, you know, zigzagging from one side to the other. Um, so that was the last explanation which that was the last explanation which they provided, um, that it was um, an aircraft, uh, a Japanese aircraft, sent to produce this psychological terror, essentially. But that doesn't mean that that's the actual explanation, obviously.
2: Well, yeah, and now when you were researching this case you probably asked for a number of documents through a FOIA request. And were there any documents that you got on this that were heavily redacted? But So it gives the impression that, yes, they had more information, they just weren't going to tell us about it?
4: Yeah, essentially, if, if you request a document from the Freedom of Information Act, uh, you can assume that three fourths of it will be completely blacked out. Um, and the information which you're left with um, don't get me wrong, it's still significant because there's quite a lot of information which um if you dig deeply into it you'll find that it's actually there's a lot of substance to it. But to answer your question yes, most of the documents I had to go through are completely blacked out. And and perhaps I understand um where where the Air Force where where the Air Force is coming from because we don't know anything about these. These aircraft so but it's certainly frustrating definitely
2: oh yeah I mean because I know you worked very hard to get all the information that you could from these documents and of course when they're blacked out that way uh, it makes it a little challenging <laughs> so
4: it certainly does it certainly does
2: <laughs> so this is something that happened Thousands of witnesses. Were you able to find any of these witnesses that are still alive? Were you able to
4: talk to anybody that was there? I myself, yeah, I, I myself have not. But for example, Jim Mars. He, um, in his book, he 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 includes a number of eyewitness reports, um, and not just Jim Mars, but a lot of people. For example, um, there, for example, there's uh, an eyewitness. Uh, the first one who comes to mind is is. Uh, Peter Jenkins, um, and he worked for for the Los Angeles Examiner, um, uh, which is a publication. Um, right. And he saw it. Um, he saw it himself, and he described the incident um, in which he stated the same thing that we're talking about: that there were over twenty UFOs hovering silently um, in a V-shaped in a V-shaped yeah. formation. Uh, and they just disappeared. And there are a number of there are a number of um, eyewitness reports which corroborate with one another. Uh, interestingly enough, which is certainly unfortunate, is that um, a, a man lost his life as well on this night because of the amount of shells which were shot, um, and he lost his life because of a heart failure from all the uh, noise that was produced by the ammunition being fired, oh. which is. It's very unfortunate, obviously.
2: So he was a civilian on the ground when this happened?
4: Yeah, exactly. And there was so much chaos um, that he lost his life due to heart failure.
2: Mm, What a shame. And still no real answers from
4: Uh, the Air Force. Yeah, but uh, that's interesting, and and you're certainly right. But I Mm. always tell people that just because a document says something doesn't mean that that's the actual truth because if we go over all of these cases um, and other cases which I have not included in the book but there's so much information that you can come to a conclusion yourself um, because it's genuinely that obvious that the solution or rather the explanation that that exists it's the expansion that the Air Force will not provide
2: exactly exactly yeah we've, we we've talked a lot about disclosure the possibility of it why are they keeping this from us um mm-hmm. it's it's a big discussion that we've had over and over again on the show uh, about this topic and it is frustrating for those of us who know the truth like you do and yeah. it's time to to uh, come out with it and stop presenting these these foolish uh, explanations that we know just don't bear any truth to them at all
4: looks like we have a question
2: from a listener Warren so let me see if I can get this person on the air find out what their question is for you
4: yeah
2: hi you're live on the air do you have a question for Warren hello
4: can
0: you hear me can you hear me
2: yes do you have a question for Warren tonight
0: no I have something to say to both of you
2: oh okay Go for it. We love you. <laughs> oh, you are That's so nice. sweet. We love you. Thank you so no, we much. Love you. Oh. But
0: we really do love you. And I oh. say that to say this right here is that what you're watching and what you're seeing is real. But My name is Yashima.
2: Well, it's nice to meet you, and thank you so much for your very kind words. That's very sweet of you to call in and share that with us. Thank you.
0: Yes, ma'am. And can I say something else before you cut me off?
2: Yeah, go ahead.
0: We don't come to do no harm to nobody. From Good. The of the confederation of the galaxies. I say to you that we do not come to harm anyone. Even when your governments were testing missiles you would see flown by them, and those missiles would be destroyed or taken out of atmospheric pressure. Man would destroy themselves, but we would never destroy you. We're only here to love you and show you as a guide the next steps that you must take as a civilization to become greater civilized than that which you are. But this hate that you have one for one another against religion, color, culture, race is only causing you wars and destruction. So we don't come to harm no one, but we come to get you on a plane of universal with those that are already here in one unity as creatures that also have to been created by life itself.
2: Oh, well thank you. That is absolutely beautiful. And we appreciate it. What a wonderful message of love and light! And thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it.
0: Peace be unto you, blessings, and love.
2: Thank you, thank you, brother. Appreciate it.
0: As above, so below.
2: Okay, well, that was a nice message, right, PK? Definitely. Very interesting. We like to hear about love and light and unity. We're all for it, and it's wonderful to hear that from. One of our listeners. That's great. And, you know, we do agree. There, there's been, uh, Warren, a lot of talk in this country about our government possibly waging a fake alien invasion. This was predicted by Werner von Braun many years ago, and now we're hearing it from other people that if this um, government doesn't succeed in making us bend unto a new world order, that they're going to pull out this last card. We all hope it's it's wrong. It's that it doesn't happen. But we've heard it over and over again. It's quite concerning. But hearing this gentleman reminded me of uh, how we've talked about it in the past and that we don't believe for a second that aliens would come here to do harm <clears throat> to us on a global scale. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. there's been Abductees that have been harmed, and there have been people, as you you wrote about in your book, Warren, that were killed chasing a UFO. But what we're talking about is a little different. It's on a much larger scale, and we don't believe that it's come. It would ever come from real extraterrestrials or even interdimensionals. So, yeah. anyways. We're going to definitely continue this discussion throughout our shows on UFOs because it's important to note this. So anyways, mm-hmm. Warren, let's get back to you. Let's get back to your amazing cases. What? Where do you want to go next? You've got so many great cases here.
4: Yeah. Um, I think a good topic to, to move on to, I feel like it's very appropriate, is the number of UFO cases which um, are related to missiles. Because I know that the gentleman he mentioned um, uh, missiles. He and, did yes. Um, I think it's it's appropriate to cover the topic a little bit and the the correlation between UFO sightings and nuclear missiles, uh, because there have been a lot. Um, there is certainly that that link between uh, sightings happening over uh, nuclear missile sites, uh, for instance. Um, there was a case in which, I believe, over um, over well, fifty missiles, intercontinental ballistic missiles, were completely disabled um, after a UFO sighting. So what happened was that in, in October of 2010, there was a UFO, an unidentified an object, a disc-shaped object, spotted over. Over a nuclear site um, and shortly after fifty missiles, which basically account to um, one ninth of the missiles owned by the u s they were completely they they had completely shut down um well not shut shut down, but they went to um a, a left down state as it's called in which that the missile is completely operational but only from from airborne so what that meant is that basically the air force no longer has control over the missiles Even though they're completely operational, which is very worrying right. mm-hmm. uh, So so that's interesting to note and many people um, have been asking uh, Why are aliens so interested in our missiles uh, and I my answer f- to that question would be is that when we look at missiles and how humans basically self destroy the planet we self destroy ourselves essentially it affects other planets and other other galaxies it's not just a terrestrial problem but it also becomes an extraterrestrial pro- problem so is is the interference happening to avoid um another another basically disaster like there was in Hiroshima um or, or is it simply a coincidence? But I don't believe that it's a coincidence because there's been so many cases. Um, so that's an interesting an interesting point, in my opinion.
2: It's a very interesting point. And actually, we had one of the military people on the show talking about it. He was there when it happened. And there were witnesses of these UFOs in the sky before all of these missiles were shut down and it was a definite show of force on their part that they weren't going to let these things launch. Not that there were any plans yeah. to that I'm aware of, but um, that was that was quite quite an experience for everybody on that base. So
3: Definitely.
2: yes, I you know I agree that they're 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 keeping watch more or less.
4: Yeah, and it's sure also like do a wake up call as well. Uh, it's a wake up call in the sense that although we create these we have this arsenal to basically uh, destroy other countries. Uh, well, we don't really have control over it at the end of the day. We do, but to an extent. But in this case, proves otherwise, right?
2: Yes, it does. That's a very valuable case, yes. It didn't just happen once, right? It happened more than once.
4: It happened on numerous occasions. Um, in right. fact, there was a conference in, in 2010 in the same year in which there were seven um Air Force personnel, Um, they held a press conference, and it was aired on on CNN, um, and it was called the Disclosure Conference. And in this conference, the seven gentlemen, they all uh, described their experience of how they saw a UFO over nuclear missile sites. And they're all very similar in the sense that they all notice a disc-shaped object or um, a bright object hovering over um, the nuclear missile site and then shortly after there would be um, there would be something odd happening such as the missiles going into a no-go condition um, or the missiles uh, failing to launch or they lose communication with the missiles um, and and this is a common theme in, in, in all of these uh, witness statements
2: that's yeah. It it really does say a lot <laughs> what they're capable yeah. of, and what Definitely. they're not going to allow us to do. Yeah. Now, PK, you lived on a military bases. Have you? You must have seen some things in the sky when you
3: were living there, right? Well, it was kind of strange because we li- we came to areas that did not necessarily have a airfield. We were to other areas until we were overseas. There were a few things that were a little strange when we were there, but uh, you never can pin anything down because you're almost, at the stage at that time. You're almost afraid to say anything because people just looked at you a little strangely. Mm-hmm. They didn't know how to accept what you had to say, and they still do today. Let's face it; that's never going to oh, change. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I think but it's we, less than now. it was years
2: ago. You're right, but but yeah, back then that was you didn't dare talk about it. We oh, have a no that not, not at all, yeah, yeah, so anyways we we all know the military has a a depth of knowledge about it, we don't know how much they know, and we've been told that they know some things, but they don't know everything
4: i mean, yeah I, and I think it's it's um in a sense, and I always use this comparison right that. If we grab a Tesla and, and then we, we go back in time and we give it to a caveman and we ask him to figure, to figure it out, figure out how it works, will he know how to drive a Tesla? No, he will not because the technology is just so advanced. Uh, and this is the right. same concept that we're given this technology, which doesn't make a shred of sense um, in the sense that when we look at an anti-gravity propulsion system, we practically know nothing about it. Or if we Mm -hmm. do know something about it, we certainly cannot operate it Uh, because uh, this technology defies the law of physics, the laws of physics, the laws of aerodynamics, Um, and it's just – it cannot be operated. I think
3: back to when I was a kid, I used to help my dad work on the car, and there was just a few parts, and I even knew how to make things happen under the hood. Today, it's a whole new world couldn't even tell you what's what under the hood anymore things have changed yeah. so much yes and some of the ships that
2: we've heard people talk about on the show they've said that they're it's like they're alive so there's so much more to the technology of these ships it's a living organism some of them are yeah like a to yeah, like like consciousness
4: right yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah 100 percent um and, and I think that that characteristic is also common in these UFO sightings in the sense that um, the UFO or whoever is piloting it, it's, they, seem to be, they, have, they seem to possess spatial awareness. And what I mean by that is that they are aware of um, the fighter jet's position in space and time. For instance, if a military fighter jet is scrambled, um, the UFO would maneuver in relation to it, which naturally means that there is this consciousness um, obviously in it.
2: Right. That is so beyond our normal way of thinking that I would imagine it's hard. You can't reverse engineer something like that without really <laughs> changing your whole consciousness. That's that's amazing. Amazing. So, so tell us about Belgium, because there was a UFO wave over Belgium. We'd like to hear about... Other countries experiencing this as well so tell us that one Mm
4: -hmm. so the Belgian wave it's it's known for um, the black triangle wave Um, so when we look at UFO sightings there's obviously the disc-shaped UFOs um, the cigar-shaped UFOs uh, but there's also the black triangle which is which seems to be um, which in, in Belgium it was basically very a very common sighting And in 1989, there was a wave in which many uh, Belgians, they saw this black triangular-shaped aircraft, um, and it had this bright white light um, and a red pulsating glow in its center. And this this massive aircraft would just hover silently at an extremely low altitude as well. Um, But these sightings, they did not come from ordinary people who may Create a story just for a hoax. Um, contrary to that, um, these sightings came from from lieutenants. Uh, for instance, there's this there's this one lieutenant, um, and in the uh, late months of 1989, he was driving with his wife, and to his to his side, as he was driving to his right side, I believe, he saw this big black triangular shaped aircraft uh, hovering silently. And as he followed it, um, they drove next to a, an opening where he could get a better view of it. And this aircraft, it just started rotating on its axis, very similar to the gimbal UFO footage, which was recently released. And maybe we can talk a bit about that later. But yeah. it just rotated on its axis, um, and it moved In relation to to his position to the lieutenant's position so the white uh, the white glow um, it started facing uh, the lieutenant's car uh, so it went belly up essentially and from there on it just shot up to the sky and disappeared and he stated that no no aircraft that he saw in the Air Force could maneuver in that way um, especially when we consider the acceleration that it performed and completely silently it's it's impossible and there's no way it could have been man-made when we look at the the ability for this aircraft to perform uh, to maneuver at such a, such a velocity without without essentially producing any noise it's it's impossible it's impossible for it to have been man-made um, and this sighting essentially it became a common sightings um, it happened in 1989 um, and in the following year, in 1990, uh, many other uh, lieutenants uh, kept uh, making these sightings and all of them were very similar in nature, in which there's this triangular UFO, um, it's, it's black in color, it carries out erratic maneuvers until it just disappears out of sight. Um, at some point, an F-16 fighter jet was also scrambled, but... To no avail, naturally, um, and and it was also spotted on on uh, the air traffic control radars. So this sighting is not only a visual sighting, but it's also a radar sighting, which makes it more credible. Um yes. and and the investigation once again um, it's very interesting because there's a difference in which the Belgian Air Force. Um, in which they handled the case, instead of trying to disprove it, they simply stated that there were no military exercises happening at the time, um, which rules out the idea that um, it was a military aircraft. Um, And they also stated that it wasn't a commercial aircraft. Um, And apart from that, which makes this investigation even more interesting, is that um, the lieutenant and the air force commander he confirmed with other countries such as the united kingdom and the united states and he asked them if there were any um aircrafts which uh, were belonged to them um if there were any aircraft in the airspace and they naturally denied that so this mm. this case is still still unsolved um well not really unsolved we know we have an idea of, of of the origin, but we don't know obviously any details about it. Um, so, so what's interesting is that the Belgian Air Force they the approach is very different. They did not go on the defense immediately, and they didn't try to debunk um, or ridicule the sighting. Um, conversely, they just um, stated the facts, and the facts are is that. It wasn't military, and that's all they could have said, and and that's certainly applauding.
2: You know, we've heard from several sources that the black triangle ships are ours, that those are the ones we have in the United States reverse-engineered, and there are certain days that they send them up for testing. So we've heard that um, before with these triangle ships. Those are, belong to us. Whether they are or not, we won't know until they admit it, but we've heard that one. So even with this incredible velocity and the agility of, of these aircraft that we don't think we could do, there there are some, we've heard, that have been reverse-engineered. So we'll, we'll wait and see. Maybe uh, we'll find and, that one out eventually.
4: And but that would be a good thing, because I always say this. Listen, if these UFOs turn out to be man-made, then that's great um that's because it makes so many possibilities such as interstellar travel that becomes a possibility so so the goal of this of of well the idea i had in my mind is not to prove that these ufo's are alien well of course there is it does prove that naturally but at all times if these ufo's are proven to be man made then that's great that's terrific that that means that they're no longer considered unidentified um so, so that's a good yeah. point that you made. that's Any a good point that you made.
2: information if they would come forward with it would be helpful because we know there's many different varieties here. there are the extraterrestrials, there are the interdimensionals, and then there's the ships that we've gotten hold of that we've reverse engineered and haven't told anybody about so there's all kinds of things flying around in our skies. We just don't know what's what so
4: exactly exactly, and just like you know there are a bunch of cars, a bunch of vehicles. It's the same concept, essentially, it's just infinitely more advanced.
2: Exactly. Well, it looks like we have another question for you, Warren. Let me just see who this is. And hi. Hello. Hello. Let's see. Get him on the air. Hi, you're live on the air. Do you have a question for Warren?
5: Yes, I do, Patricia. This is Hugh. I, uh, this is so hi, fantastic Hugh. information. And uh, prayer is Hello. very powerful, and it was just proven. Uh, with Patricia, thank God she's healthy again, and hopefully Yay. she'll yeah. be with you for many years to come. But I wanted to say this and bring another country into play. A little bit a while ago, I got a call from Paul Hellier who was the Canadian defense minister who's been putting out information for years. Now, I hope people will pray for him because uh, he's in a difficult health situation right now, but I hope you can follow up maybe there's some way he could come on or have somebody else come on, but he really should be researched. I personally had the uh, UFO encounter with the uh, black triangular ship, the Hudson Valley sightings, i don't have the psychic recording that i spoke with but i asked her and she said it was a real ufo uh, from what she was picking up on the resonance in my voice and the previous call i want to really give a compliment too because i do think that we all incarnate to learn love and as we learn it uh it raises the consciousness and uh When we go back into the spirit, I do say we're fully accountable. And if we do reincarnate, it's just to keep learning the lessons of love. And also, uh, I also wanted to say that I have so much on that big website. I think you're aware of it. And if you just look that over, I want to thank you also, before I forget, for posting uh, maybe your guest can comment on it if he's aware of it, the upcoming conference in June by the Catholic uh, scientists uh, discussing non-human intelligence. And I did speak with Dr. Stephen Barr and had him looking at the website. He said, well, that's not really what we're talking about. I said, so wait, I've had UFO paranormal near death. That's everything that the title of the conference is all about so i don't know what you're going to be talking about maybe it's just some new kind of propaganda but all that ties in very interesting to what you're saying on the show today and i did speak with stanton friedman a number of months before he passed that's on the big website i think it's on the page uh, uh media review at the bottom of the page
3: well
2: thank you hugh it's always a pleasure to hear from you and yeah, we would love to talk to um to Mr. Hellyer or any of his associates that would like to speak about what he knows. That would be great. But we'll be back in touch. But thank you so much. For oh one, one
5: in. last thing too. I just wanted to see if he ever researched this gentleman because I actually spoke with him too. His name is Frank Chili, C H I L L
2: Frank's been on yes, the next show.
5: And this is what I wanna interject and it ties in with the right. upcoming Catholic Scientist Conference, he said Valiant Thor, when he was asked the question about not having fingerprints, Valiant Thor's response was that their race didn't walk away from God. That was fascinating to me.
2: Ooh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yep, that was a good one. So thank you so well, much. Again, I'll
5: let you get back. <laughs>
2: thank you, good You I Appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, take care. Good. So Warren, you're a very popular guest. Everybody wants to talk to you. Um, <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: so tell us about this UFO that shut down the Chinese airport.
4: Yeah, yes, um, this this is one of the sightings which not many people know of, and they should know of it. Um, and and it's a very interesting because uh, in 2010 this this UFO literally shut down a Chinese airport for um, for, uh, for a long time. I believe it was around an hour, and that cost them thousands, obviously. Um, so what happened was that um, it was summer, summertime, um, and um, it was in Hangzhou, China. I apologize if I mispronounced that. Um, but there was this aircraft, and it was about to land, um, and as it, as it was doing so, the pilot noticed a disc-shaped um, aircraft. Or more precisely, he noticed uh, strange lights. And to corroborate his sightings, the air traffic controllers they started picking up targets and identified targets. And although the the UFOs uh, disappeared over um, immediately, um, the airport was shut down for an entire hour because that's how serious the UFO phenomenon is. Um, And this is a great example of the approach that should be applied in the sense that if there is an identified aircraft hovering over one of the busiest airports in the world, Mm -hmm. it's the rational thing to do to obviously shut it down. Um, But this case, I always mention it to people when they say, it's just uh, the UFO phenomenon is just about strange lights. Well, no, it is not, because it, um, it's, there, there's a test to national security, and this is the perfect example of that. Um, so, yes, this is a case in which um, a UFO was sighted over one of the busiest airports in the world, and as a result of that, um, the entire airport was shut down for an entire hour. Uh, so all of the flights were uh, diverted. Most of them were postponed. Um, so that's a very interesting case. It is,
3: and, and so there must yes, PK. I was going to ask: Was, was there in, information given to the population of what it was that created the shutdown?
4: Did um, they say it yes.
3: was as a uh, UFO?
4: Well. Um, uh, they did not come with a with a, a statement per se, but the uh, the Civil Aviation Administration um, they conducted an investigation and f- um, f- from the limited information which was released, um, they stated that it w- it could have been military. Um, Keyword is could have been, um, but but that doesn't make sense because first of all, why would a military aircraft uh, just hover above one of the busiest airports in the world and right. even if it is, and, and even if a military aircraft is going to hover above an airport um, it has to be granted permission uh, to do so uh, it certainly would not have done that uh, without authorization um, it cost them thousands um, if not millions um, and even if a military aircraft is going to uh, fly over an airport the air traffic control operators need to be informed obviously um, mm-hmm. So that was their explanation, but it certainly does not seem logical for, for an airport to be shut down for an entire hour unless it's necessary and unless there's a real threat.
3: Well, you wonder about the fact that it would create a fear or a panic with those in the tower that watch the planes coming and going. How, how exactly. do they respond with such a this situation?
4: A lot of uh, it was a lot of frustration because um, when when you're exposed to this, if I personally put myself in in the operator's shoes, it's terrifying. It's certainly terrifying. Yeah, seeing bright objects hovering so close to commercial aircrafts, um, and then having this absurd explanation that doesn't make a shred of sense, it's certainly frustrating. Um, but 2010 was a very interesting um, year for UFOs in China because um, in, in, in summer, just one week before the sightings, there were many more sightings, many more UFO sightings. Um, and some of these sightings were made by, by pilots, uh, commercial pilots. So once again, these are credible, credible sources we're having here.
2: Yes, that's that's so important. And again, so many witnesses. And you're talking about an airport being shut down. You know, you brought up a really important point, which is the cost when you have to divert flights, when you have to shut yeah. down an airport for any amount of time. You're talking about a huge loss of money. So yeah. that's a very important thing you you brought up, Warren. Yeah. So we've had some pilots disappear. When they have been chasing a UFO. Tell us about some of those cases.
4: Um, okay, so I think we should start from um, the death of Thomas Mantel. Um, it's it's extremely unfortunate, but in 1948, so we're talking a year after the Roswell case, so people were a bit more aware of, of UFOs. Um, uh, basically, uh, Thomas Mantell, he was a, a young pilot, he was a competent pilot, he was a Second World War veteran, um, he was awarded several medals uh, for his service, and he had like over 2,000 flying hours of experience. Um, but what happened is that over Kentucky, the Air Force Base, uh, at Godman Air Force Base, they started picking up um, an unidentified an target, an unidentified aircraft. Um, and once they confirmed that it wasn't a military aircraft, uh, Thomas Mantel, um, uh, he was scrambled, he scrambled the fighter jet um, uh, and um, he was on board an an F-51 and Thomas Mantel was was ordered to identify the aircraft and then intercept Um, but naturally that was not to be the case. so what happened was that um, Mantel, uh, he had two other um, two other aircrafts, um, but imi- uh, short into the pursuit, they realized that this was not going to be um, a- any 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 use because the aircraft it was just too it was an anomaly an anomaly essentially it was flying too fast it was carrying out erratic maneuvers, and at one point. Um, the aircraft kept going up and down in altitude. Um, so we're talking um, at 15,000 feet, then dropping back to 10,000 feet. And um, all pilots, they were running low on fuel and oxygen. Um, but what happened was that the aircraft, um, the UFO, it climbed at around 21,000 feet, and Mentel was the only pilot who continued the pursuit. Um, and the last thing that he told the air traffic control operators was that um, that the, he stated uh, verbatim, "It's above me, and, and I'm gaining on it. I'm going to 20,000 feet," and that was the last words that he said, uh, the last words that we know of. And from there on, um, that was the last the last time anyone had heard from him or seen him. Um, and it, a few hours after deciding the, the event, um, his his fighter jet was found um, and Mantel was found uh, in it, obviously dead. Um, so this is one of the cases in which um, a pilot, a competent pilot, lost his life because he was chasing a UFO. And what made me so angry about this is that... The air force stated that it was um, a vertical, uh, sorry, a skyhawk weather balloon. Um, so essentially, they're stating that a competent pilot lost his life because he was chasing a weather balloon, um, oh, and horrible. it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Um, uh, but. It's, oh, it's disrespectful
2: to the pilot. It's it's disrespectful Definitely. to his training. You know, PK. Yeah. It's like it's ter- This is terrible because this is a shadow over his memory of you know of who he was as a pilot as a person that he was some idiot just flying around uh, like a nut and i think wasn't there also something sad about it? he was chasing venus
4: yeah and in fact that was uh, the other explanation that they provided was that it was a-, a venus it was venus the planet but once again that doesn't make sense because at the time of the sighting um uh, the position of venus so the time of the sighting was it was at around um at, uh, at three o'clock i believe um it was early afternoon um and venus would have been located somewhere in the southwest but that was not the position that Mantel was flying at it was in the complete different direction um and also as far as i know planets are completely stationary I have never heard a case in which a planet performed erratic maneuvers or carried out uh, steep vertical climbs. Um, So there's that inconsistency. Uh, The Air Force stated that it was Venus and then went on to say that it's a weather balloon. But these two explanations, they do not suffice because they don't make sense. Um, And apart from that, when we're talking about uh, the early afternoons, Venus would not have been bright enough. For for mental to locate it and even chase it.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Good that's, point. It's so, yeah, it's wonderful, wonderfully made, and it's so disrespectful to this man. They know, they owe him an apology for that. That's for sure.
4: Yeah.
2: Geez, terrible. Now we have another question. Let me see who this person is, and then we want to hear about the other pilots who disappeared. So. Yes. Let's see, area code, what do we have here? This is area code 605. You're live on the air. Do you have a question for Warren?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm here because I saw the headline, Evidence of Extraterrestrials. That's the uh, topic of the show, right?
2: Yes, we're discussing cases.
1: Okay. So I'm not interested in UFOs. A lot of people have seen UFOs. I don't doubt that UFOs exist, regardless of whether they're aliens or not. But when you have the headline, Evidence of Extraterrestrials, that means evidence of uh, sentient beings. So are there any artifacts, tape recordings, or video, to make it, uh, to make it a very short question, of these, um, of these types of evidence?
4: Okay. Yeah, that's a good question, and that, that's a certainly valid question, because when, when the book is called Evidence of Extraterrestrials, which means that there must be something in it that proves that these beings are extraterrestrial, I completely agree on that. And that's exactly what there is in this book, um, for the simple reason that if we look at the technology, and it, it just couldn't have been man-made, and even if it was man-made, no human being can Operated. For instance, if we look at the tic tac UFO encounter, um, the object literally dropped from 28,000 feet to sea level in just one second. Now, can any human carry out that maneuver? No, they cannot because they will turn into paste. Um, uh, Can any aircraft um, uh, maneuver without um, an 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 exhaust uh, an exhum plume? No, it cannot. Um, And these are all indicative that that these aircrafts are extraterrestrial in origin, and that is something that I was mindful of. Um, Are these cases simply UFOs in which the object isn't identified, or is it an IFO, which means an interplanetary flying object? And it's certainly the latter, because um, these objects, they just couldn't have been manufactured on Earth, um, and they could not have been maneuvered or piloted by human beings, Um, So the evidence is certainly there that these sightings prove that UFOs are sometimes, more often than not, extraterrestrial in origin.
1: Well, I would say um, that the sightings would show that the sightings exist, regardless of whether the people who have sighted it, who have um, actually seen it through their naked eyes or through telescopes, that um, maybe they have seen what they think they've seen, maybe they didn't see what they thought they saw, and even if they did see what they thought that they had seen, it doesn't mean that it's uh, flown by an alien. It could be flown by remote control. could be secret spirit, uh, uh, aircraft by the Russians, us, China. Uh, um, still, definitely. again, my question is, yeah, um, of, the, of aliens themselves, of sentient beings. Uh, what you've I done think. is connect the dots, which is good, but I want to go beyond connecting the dots. I want the artifacts, the videos, the tapes, the somebody tapping okay. me on the shoulder, okay. that kind of thing. Yeah, and
2: you know, some of the things you might want to look into would be Bob Bigelow. You know who Bob Bigelow is? He runs the Aerospace uh, Corporation out in Nevada. No, I no. Okay, look up Bob Bigelow. You'll find some things there. But besides this, the tic-tac encounter is on video and it's on radar. So yeah, there and, are things uh, that, uh, that actually if show... If I may add a
4: point... Um, sorry for interrupting, but if I may add a point, is that when we look at the word extraterrestrial, it means that it's something that is out of this world. It's something that is um, originating from outside this world. and. Could it have been, for example, remotely controlled by the Russians? It, it, the dots, they don't connect. And you, you may ask why. Because this technology, it just doesn't match up with the laws of physics, with the laws of aerodynamics, with the natural laws. So how can a human being perform something that goes against every law that we operate by?
1: okay. I'll agree with you that a human being, even if they're in a very sophisticated, pressurized suit, may turn into paste um, at speeds of which you're claiming. But I said remote control. There are planes that we have, commercial airlines, that can be taken over by remote control. There could be um, military aircraft that could be taken over by remote control. So I'm talking about remote control. I'm not talking about Aliens inside a UFO
4: UFO flying it yeah, but but, um, It's an interesting point. Don't get me wrong Um, And it's it's a valid question, but that also implies that even if it's remotely controlled It means that humans are capable of creating an anti-gravity propulsion system. It implies that humans can create uh, vehicles which can perform without an exhaust plume um, or vehicles that can perform without uh, flight surfaces such as wings um, or or visible propulsion systems and and so far they just do not match up with the laws of of aerodynamics for example um, and and I always compared to once again the example that I gave beforehand in the beginning of the show that it's like giving a caveman a Tesla and asking him to figure out how it works because the technologies the discrepancy that there is is just massive
1: Okay, so the aerodynamic principles don't apply because we haven't figured them out yet. At least it's assumed that. But um, is it possible that, for example, our own government will have secret bases in which they're testing out secret aircraft?
4: Uh, And yes, um, uh, I highly suggest you uh, read about Bob Lazar um, and the s 4 um, which is a couple of hundred miles down uh, Area 51, he stated that they are performing, attempting to reverse engineer uh, flying disks. So is the government in possession of um, of an extraterrestrial aircraft? Yes, but are they able to reverse engineer it? So far that has not been the case, according to Bob Lazar, who is has proven to be credible. and And the question is that if the government has reverse engineered it, Um, Why wouldn't they use it to their advantage because that's definitely something they would do Um, but It's it seems as though it's impossible to even comprehend how it operates or Actually, if even if we do understand how it operates, we just cannot replicate it or we cannot operate it ourselves
1: Well, who else besides the government is seeing this flying disc
4: Well well, uh, you have to be careful with with the statements that are made by people. Um, I I only mention um, statements which are backed up by evidence and by paperwork, and Bob Lazar is one of the few people. Um, so I highly, highly suggest that you read up about him. There's also a documentary about him. And he's there's a lot of paperwork which proves that he's telling the truth. Um, and that's what he says. He says that he was employed um, to work at S4, which is a base in, in Area 51, and his job was to reverse engineer uh, UFOs, but they couldn't because it just it was impossible to do so.
2: And we've oh, got to move okay, the show the along just... because we've got only about 20 minutes left and we want to get to some other cases, but I thank you for your call okay. and your your very good questions. Very much appreciated.
1: Uh, all righty, Thank care. you. Bye-bye.
2: So let's get to these other pilots, Warren. Those yes. because there were two other pilots you mentioned, and we want to hear about them.
4: Yeah. So um, the two pilots are Felix Moncla and Robert Wilson. Um, and this case, um, it's in 1953, um, in November, some day in November. Um, and this case happened in Michigan um, uh, at Kinross Air Force Base. And once again, there is this um, event in which an unidentified target an identified object showed up on target, and um, an F-89 Scorpion jet was scrambled, and Felix Monkler and Robert Wilson were the two lieutenants who were piloting the aircraft. Um, uh, And given that these two gentlemen disappeared, the only accounts which we have, they come from uh, the air traffic control operators, obviously. Um, And when they described the event, they stated that on radar they saw that the UFO was keep was maintaining its distance from the fighter jet at all times during the encounter. But at one point, the two blips, they started getting closer and closer to each other until they became one. Um, and naturally they assumed that, um, they were, uh, closing down the distance. But interestingly enough, uh, the two blips, they did not, the one blip, sorry, they did not separate into two blips once again. Um, they just disappeared off radar completely disappeared off radar wow. so um uh, so to summarize what happened is that the two blips on radar they merged into one um but then instead of separating they just disappeared and no one heard anything from them no one located any wreckage or bodies no one located uh, oil slicks which which could have indicated that um, the aircraft crashed into, into the water. That's it. It was completely a total disappearance. Um, and th- that's so absurd. And the UFO was traveling so much faster than any fighter jet could travel at, at that time, at that period in time. We're talking in 1953. Um, uh, and the UFO was traveling at um, over 500 miles per hour. Um, and that is so much faster than any fighter jet which the u s um, was in possession of um, so once again these uh, to go back to the gentleman 's question, these are indicative that this was an encounter with with an extraterrestrial aircraft. i mean unless someone can explain it can explain it to me can give me um, a rational explanation with with evidence that these UFOs are man-made and they're operated remotely or otherwise by humans, uh, I'm obviously op- op- open ears, but the evidence is there that it's, it just could not have been terrestrial.
2: Exactly. You no, know, This is beyond our capability as humans, and certainly we agree with what you're you're stating, and uh, I thought you handled those, those questions really well, because you're right. I mean, not only could a human being not survive that type of flying, <laughs> right. the yeah. speed, you know, the, I mean, everything that those those maneuvers, uh, that those those things did, the Tic Tac encounter, is something that uh, is not an hallucination. That really happened.
3: Yeah. So exactly. And it's
2: well documented. I mean, and the military did not uh, try to disprove it. They just didn't nope. provide any information on it except this happened. And this is this yeah. is the biggest problem, is that they have information that they're not willing to share. So we are left with trying to piece things together as best we can. And that's why we're so exactly. much in favor of disclosure. It's It's really important. <clears throat> they keep feeding us these breadcrumbs, but we're seeing more and more sightings, You can't deny them. People have cell phones. They have cameras on these cell phones. They're taking video. They're taking pictures. People have had personal encounters with things that are not of this earth, well-documented. Betty Andreessen's case, one of the most highly documented um, abduction cases where she had, you know, face-to-face encounters with beings that were not from this planet. So, and Travis Walton. and. And Travis Carl Walton, Higdon. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many people that have had face-to-face encounters with extraterrestrials. So it's it's impossible at this point to dismiss. And as one of the guests on our show said, you can't say anymore, I believe in UFOs. They are real, period.
4: Yeah, so. it's just as real as it's it's like stating that you don't believe in uh and, 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 <laughs> exactly. And, and many people say, oh, because I haven't seen a for myself. Well, have you seen um, uh, bacteria? Like, have you seen, have you physically seen a bacteria, a bacterial cell? Have you seen a virus? No, but the science is there to prove that, that they exist. You can't see an atom, but obviously they exist. And this is the same thing, just because you can't see, um, you haven't seen it yourself. There's science to prove that it's there and that it exists.
2: Exactly. You're right. That's exactly true. Now, one of the countries that has had a multitude of not only UFOs, but all kinds of cryptid reports and things like that is Brazil. And you also talked about the night of UFOs in your book. And that that happened in Brazil, right? It did in in
4: 1986. And um, I was actually going to mention this case myself because this case is the perfect example of how a UFO report should be handled. Um, But this case is just chaotic um, because the control tower at at the São Jose airport in Sao Paulo, they started tracking two bright lights um, just above the runway. So it was a visual sighting. Um, And as a result of these two bright lights, um, there was a flight which had to be postponed. Um uh, the landing had had to be postponed, so the pilot um uh, he spent an entire hour just um, flying around the airport in circles um, until the sighting was over. but interestingly enough um the sighting it became um, even more even more interesting because the object um from from two bright lights <laughs> they became uh, at least seven seven objects on radar. Um, so, um, to backtrack a little bit, there was this pilot and he saw two bright lights on on the runway, and as a result, he couldn't land naturally. Um, so so the so the landing was postponed. But back at the air traffic control, they started noticing eight targets on, on the radar. So eight. Aircrafts were were infiltrating national airspace and they did not know what these targets were and that's when three fighter jets were scrambled Um, uh, The first pilot he made visual contact immediately Um, Another pilot um, he spotted bright lights outside his cockpit window Uh, but my favorite part of this encounter is that on one occasion as the pilot was trying to break down the distance to close down the distance the ufos would just surround his aircraft so the encounter shifted from the lieutenant chasing the ufos to the ufos chasing the lieutenant um <laughs> there were compl- yeah and there were oh, <laughs> yeah that must have been so terrifying and on radar he just saw 13 unidentified aircraft surrounding his aircraft um and each time he would break off the pursuit the objects would um stop pursuing him, but then each time he started closing down the distance, they would once again surround his aircraft until he broke up the pursuit um, and This lasted up until like four a m until they realized that they were um until they realized that the objects just disappeared out of sight um, But the following day, there was a national press conference, and there was the Minister of Aeronautics. Um, talking and he stated that this wasn't military and it was not um, a natural phenomenon like a meteorological phenomenon and he stated that this was a ufo and they could not identify what the objects were uh, naturally they didn't say if it's extraterrestrial or not because they don't know it's it's unidentified but they stated that it was not an optical illusion it was not a weather phenomenon and it was not military either so that leaves, obviously, one last hypothesis. Um, so that's the Brazil the Brazil case. It's, it's highly interesting, and it's, it's admirable of how the Air Force handled it um, because there's a difference, naturally, instead of debunking the sighting and saying that it's a bright Venus or a weather balloon. Instead, the Minister of the Aeronautics just stated that we don't know what they are. Um, they existed because... Uh, they were solid objects on radar, and and the lieutenants made visual sightings. Um, but they're not military, and they do not come from another country. All we know is that they, they existed, but we don't know where they come from, or who they are, or what their intentions were. Essentially, and that's terrifying. It's, it's that, terrifying. And it was honest.
2: You know, they they were so honest about it. And that's there's exactly. a lot to be said about that. You know that they didn't know what it was, but they were were able to dismiss certain things like it wasn't from the military, it wasn't a meteorological uh event and they yeah. didn't know what it was. I mean, that's the honesty exactly. that we're all looking for.
4: <laughs> yeah, and it's and that's what it is. It's just honesty because we don't we, they're unidentified. We don't know where they come from. Uh, but that's it. They're just unidentified, and that's all it takes to uh, disclose the truth.
2: Yes, that would be step one: is be honest about it. So, yeah, and and again, the the South American countries seem to have a very different mentality around UFOs, and certainly the indigenous people do as well. They they've had stories uh passed on from generation to generation and amongst themselves and these are people that have not been exposed to television and the exactly. media crush that we experience here
3: and yet they tell the same stories.
2: So exactly.
3: different culture yes.
4: and well, a different
3: reading about it. There's so much that's the same, yet coming from so many different areas, how can we dispute it? Right.
4: Exactly. Hundred percent.
3: Yep, exactly right. What is your
2: favorite story that you investigated and wrote about in your book?
4: I think it would have to be the Tic Tac UFO um, because, I mean, there's so much evidence. There's footage that comes from um, a fighter jet. um, And there's also five characteristics in this sighting, which proves that the object was extraterrestrial. Um, so, So the Tic Tac UFO... Um, I'm sure your listeners have heard about it. Um, there's footage on YouTube. Please check it out. It's it's amazing. But to get it to the interesting point immediately, this tic-tac-shaped UFO, um, in one second, it dropped from 28,000 feet to sea level. Um, but what happened was that when it dropped to sea level, um, the sonar team on board the USS Louisville who um, were patrolling uh, just below the surface, they registered that an identified object had plunged into the ocean and it was traveling, ex- it was exceeding 70 knots, uh, which is twice as fast as the Navy's fastest submarine. Um, uh, so here we're looking at a transmedium, um, trans-medium um, vehicle where the object can travel in different mediums, such as the atmosphere and the ocean, which is once again right. impossible for any, any terrestrial <laughs> aircraft. And the object was traveling so fast, um, we're saying it it exceeded the speed of sound without producing a sonic boom. Um, uh, It it, it exceeded any, um, it it exceeded Mach 5, which means that it exceeded the speed of sound by five times. And no sonic boom was heard. And if anyone travels at, at that speed, they will turn instantly into paste. Um, there's no chance anyone can survive that velocity. Um, so that is my favorite case because there's just so much evidence in it, and it could not have been manufactured on Earth. And when we have the Pentagon saying that this is a genuine UFO case, then that's then that's when you know how serious it is. That's when you exactly. know when you have yeah, and when you have the most experienced lieutenants. Like Jim Slate and Commander David Fravor, when they come out and say that they've never seen anything like it, and that they cannot comprehend how the aircraft operated, that's when you know that the object is just not terrestrial. And to go back to the question which the gentleman asked, is how do you know that they're extraterrestrial? Well, the answer is very simple. It's obvious that we're not alone in the universe. We never have been, and it's it's um, quite it would be quite gullible for us to think so. And when we take that into consideration and these sightings into consideration, um, we can connect the dots and we can come to a conclusion that these are extraterrestrial in origin. What their intentions are, we don't know. Um, They certainly do not owe us an explanation, obviously. Um, But that's, that's evident that they're extraterrestrial in origin.
2: Yeah, I don't see any other explanation that fits. There isn't one. So, yes, and it's obviously you're right. We're not alone in the universe. It'd be crazy to think that, and it's it's time that we start looking at all of these cases. and And you've done a brilliant job of putting these together in a logical format. And it's again, this is the name of the book, everybody, which you should have in your UFO library is Evidence of extraterrestrials over 40 cases prove aliens have visited Earth by our guest tonight, Warren Ajuice, and it's just wonderful. I mean, there's so many. We haven't even gotten to not even half of the cases in your book tonight. <laughs> there's so many, and you cover so many countries. New Zealand is in here. You have President yeah. Carter sighting in here. Now, President Carter's an interesting one, too.
4: Yeah. Um, um, to go over is basically President Carter um, as he was carrying out a speech in Chicago um, uh, the attendees they started noticing a bright object in the background uh, and when Carter noticed it himself he saw that the object was changing its color from black to red to green and then back to white and it was just hovering silently just a couple of miles um, a couple of miles away and the object disappeared the sad part of the story is that the investigation was not initiated after a couple of years after the case happened so the evidence which you do have is not there isn't much substance to it because most of the description is is not uh, detailed but um, so it's one of those cases in which you cannot say if it's extraterrestrial or not but if we take if we compare it to the other sightings there's that similarity um, so we can um sort of assume that it is. Um but it's 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 so interesting to see a president um who is who notices the, the seriousness of the phenomenon and before the election mm-hmm. he stated that if I'm elected I will declassify all of the information. But naturally he was elected and he couldn't <laughs> um he wasn't allowed right. to disclose information That's, because it goes beyond isn't it? Yeah and, and this goes beyond the president, um, and I highly doubt that any president knows uh, the nitty-gritty details about about the phenomenon.
3: Right. I think you're right. Was Eisenhower involved at one time? Sorry. Wasn't uh, was Eisenhower involved yeah. with something one time? I think it was uh, the base in New Mexico.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Up- it was. It was. Uh huh.
3: Amazing. Everybody gets a chance to get a little piece of the pie, but they won't open the pie (laughs) pie. That's right. That's right.
2: You know, we had Larry Holcomb on the show who wrote the book Presidents and UFOs, and he talked about Carter. And he, he did tell us something that piqued our interest, so we questioned him further. And this was what he said, that Carter did want to declassify things, but he was... He was one of the presidents that actually was briefed. Some presidents were not briefed, like Clinton wasn't briefed. Yeah. But Carter was. And they said that after Carter was briefed, he went to his office and was sobbing. So we were asking Larry, we said, well, why was he crying? What did they tell him that upset him to the point where he couldn't stop crying? And he said, that's a good question. I think i got to find an answer to that. But we haven't heard back from him yet on
3: that. Oh, yeah. So,
2: <laughs> no, we got to call him up. Because one of the, the hypotheses we had since President Carter was very religious is that whatever they told him disturbed him on a very deep level.
4: Yeah, and it against...
2: Uh, yeah, went mm-hmm. against his religion and possibly said we are aliens, that we are hybrids, whatever they told him, he was very shook up.
4: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: So very interesting, very interesting. What's going to be your next book, Warren?
4: Um, In my next book, um, I want to go deeper into um, possibly abductions, uh, but I'm still working on it. Um, So my goal is to dissect the phenomenon Um, into as little pieces as I can, so in this book we covered uh, UFO sightings, and in the next one um, we could dissect abductions uh, into great detail, Um, and then just book by book, we just, uh, if we compile them together, it would be this big big pile of evidence, essentially, which is indisputable, Um, and that proves that aliens exist, and they have visited Earth, they always have, uh, whether they like it or not, and they always will.
2: Yes, well, that sounds fascinating. We'd be happy to share some of the cases we've encountered with you so that you can go ahead and investigate them for your next book. We would
4: Thank you so be happy much. to
2: share that with you. And, Thank again, you. this we haven't even covered There's so much in here. You even talk about the Nazis in here. The Nazis right. were really yeah. involved with this kind of technology, and that's in the exactly. book as well so and then you talk about alien bodies there's oh my goodness there's there's so much in here rocket shaped ufo's land in level land that's in texas
3: mm-hmm. and
2: mm-hmm. you do you also discuss the roswell crash which is quite well known but this is again a compendium of all these these experiences that point to a certain reality you even have pilots off the coast of Ireland talking about this. Exactly. This is worldwide. This is global, everybody. This is not just the United States. But it is everywhere. Now, you said you had a few um a few things surface in Malta also, but it was not really investigated or much discussed.
4: Yeah, um, there were a couple of UFO sightings, uh, and they were mainly centered. Uh, given that Malta is an island, um, they all happened um, um, in the middle of the in the middle of the sea and the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and one of which they described a massive disc-shaped object just shooting um, shooting up from. From the seabed and then just disappearing but but naturally uh, given the limitations of this country there hasn't been that much of an investigation or if there if there has been um, I, I haven't stumbled upon it yet uh, but that's certainly something I will uh, dig deeper into um, but I want to reinstate what you said and that's very important that this is a global phenomenon uh, most of these cases we hear come from the United States but it doesn't mean that they're only they're only cited in the United States. It just means that uh, the uh, the United States has the biggest platform where people can talk freely. Uh, but that's not the case in all of the countries. So uh, this huh. is a global phenomenon, and every per well, people in every country have witnessed this phenomenon. Definitely.
3: Yeah, I guess and that's we're just made very path easier. We have to tell it all. <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs>
2: We get so America-centric here in this country. We forget, mm-hmm. you know, that this is going on everywhere. And you're yeah. right. We have the biggest mouths here. <laughs> so <laughs> we we <laughs> get to discuss it, it. a <laughs> uh, little differently than you do in Malta.
4: Yeah, definitely.
2: Yes. Well, this has been so wonderful, Warren. We just so appreciate you taking the time and doing everything you had to do to get here tonight. It was no <laughs> easy task
3: but you did yeah. it
2: and thank just you for having wonderful. me wonderful oh it's a pleasure
3: greatly appreciated very very interesting and the book is fabulous
4: thank you yes. so much guys i appreciate it
3: yes so again everybody the
2: name of the book is evidence of extraterrestrials over 40 cases prove aliens have visited earth and the author our guest tonight warren a. Juice, all the way from Malta, again, giving us this great information. So, Warren, please keep in touch. As we mentioned, we're happy to share uh, some of the, the contacts that we have in the field for your next book, and we'd love to have you back when you have Thank your you next so book ready. Thank you so
4: much. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it.
2: Well, again, it's our pleasure. I know the audience loved this show tonight. Right, PK? Not a doubt in my mind. It's beautiful. I
3: know. Well done.
2: Very well done, Warren. Thank you so much. And next week, everybody, we will be back with another great show. Until then, we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone.
3: Good night.
0: Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with
1: Supernatural.
2: so much.
4: Thank you so much. You guys are great hosts, and uh, I'm so glad I could make it tonight.
2: Ah, oh, we're thrilled. Billy, it was terrific, and you handled all those questions so professionally. You did a great job.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. I appreciate it.
2: Okay, you take care. We'll be back in touch for sure.
4: Take care. Bye-bye.
2: Bye.